Okay, we're glad you're here because we have an update of sorts on this episode of the Encore Podcast. I think this is an update that's really going to spark a lot of jealousy in our listeners because I know I, for one, am jealous hearing about this update. Christopher and PJ Klein, also known as the Untethered Travelers, and uh, Gabby and I did a an episode with them, I don't know, a couple of months ago when they were back in the States before they left for Europe. Well, they're back in the States again, and uh, as we talk to them, they're in Honolulu, Hawaii, before they go on to Japan and uh, Southeast Asia. So we thought we'd find out what's the latest with these two, these crazy kids traveling the world, having all kinds of adventures, and uh, as Gabby said, maybe making some of our listeners jealous. I would love to be providing a similar update. This type of update seems like the best kind of update to give. Yeah, well, see, you do travel a lot. You travel a lot more than I do. So maybe we could get you the next time you're traveling, you know, and you could uh, you could be the tethered traveler. <laughs> okay. All right. So we'll bring on Chris and PJ, the untethered travelers, next on the Uncle Podcast. The last time we talked to our untethered travelers here, Chris and PJ Klein, they were in Florida, I believe, and about to embark on a European tour. <laughs> First of all, let me remind you who these two are, just in case you've forgotten. We, uh, Gabby and I have not forgotten at all. Uh, after months of planning and preparation, these two left their full-time jobs, which both of them were excellent at, by the way, Thank sold you. the house, everything in it, and they hit the road with just one suitcase each. Now, I would love to know how many arguments have been involved in the last almost two years, but we can talk about that some other time (laughs) because it's only natural, I would think. So anyway, they're entering their second year of full-time travel. They've been to 10 countries, 39 towns in the Americas and Europe, and really they're just getting started. Welcome back, Untethered Travelers, Chris and PJ. What's up next? Hi, Chris. Hi, Gabby. Hi, Chris. This, this is Gabby. PJ. How are you? Nice, nice to be back. So the last time that we talked to you guys, I believe that you were heading to Ireland next, over to Europe? Yes, we went to Europe. And as you know, we are allowed 90 days collectively for all the countries to visit, to, to visit Europe. And we did what's called fast travel. And it was really hectic and fast and whirlwind. We went to five countries and we made 29 stops within those countries. Ireland being the last one, we did Greece, two islands in Greece. We did Italy, Portugal, Croatia, and the islands there, and then Ireland. We topped it off with Ireland. That's awesome. And I actually went to Italy over the summer. So I, I of course, have to ask you where you went and how you enjoyed it. Well, we went to uh, uh, Venice first and spent about a week there. That was great. We really liked that. And then we went just up the road to Verona to check out another romantic city. Home of Romeo and Juliet. Right. And then we hit a a little town called Ravenna briefly. And then we went down to meet a friend of ours in Florence and had had a really nice time touring Florence. Again, that we've that's the second time we've been to Florence now. First time for the other ones. So and where did you? you eat your weight in pasta and drink your weight in wine? Because I know I did when I went there. Not only that, we learned how to make pasta. We took a cooking class <laughs> when we were in Florence. Florence, yeah. Yes, with a, a professional chef at a, at a school, at a, a you know school for chefs. 
and they took a group of us and taught us how to make pasta and we learned how to make tiramisu and, and then we got to eat delicious it. dishes and then we got to sit down <laughs> and eat it afterwards so the fruits of our labor now i'm wondering gabby did you have issues in italy did you notice the effects of post-covid the post-COVID world in Italy with maybe a shortage of Ubers and taxis and some of the restaurants had limited hours and the food quality was a little less than usual? Um, I didn't notice food quality to be different, but we really tried to take the like local taxis. So like we tried to avoid Uber um, for the most part and it was definitely like stressful. And sometimes uh, like the taxis were just like, I won't drive there get out here and walk and we were like okay uh sounds good I guess we went both to Rome and Naples um and in Naples the taxi drivers were the most insane people I had ever (laughs) been in a car with they just like were taking turns and switching lanes at like the the expense of our lives I guess like I was just we would get out of the car and I'm like well I'm awake now um, so I, you know, I didn't need to go on that walk this morning to get myself awake and going, but, uh, yeah, it was, I, yeah, I they're, they're known for that. Yeah. That that's what the guy told us. He was like, uh, everyone drives like that here. And I was just like, okay. Like, I guess if you say so. <laughs> well, it's interesting because we've been to Italy twice before, um, pre COVID of course. And then of all the countries we were at in Europe this time, I think Italy is still struggling the hardest with coming back and recovering because they got hit so hard, as you know. And we just found it really different, uh, especially with the lack of taxi drivers and hotel personnel and ho- uh, restaurant personnel, bartenders, all of that, sort of like what you see in the United States with help wanted signs everywhere. Other than that, it was fantastic, though. You, you two are off to Japan and Southeast Asia. Now, is there, I mean, you're just about covering all of the continents here on the globe. Once you get to Southeast Asia and Japan and you take care of all that, what is next for you? I mean, do you want to go to Australia? Is New Zealand, uh, you know, on the uh, schedule? How about Antarctica? Yeah, right now we're uh, we're staying flexible about everything except Antarctica. There will never be an Antarctica. <laughs> Let's get that straight right now. Um, yeah, we're done with winter. There won't be any more winter. Um, as Amen. Far as, yeah, yeah, you hear me, right? Uh, but as far as Australia and New Zealand, we're uh, staying flexible on that at the moment. From what we can gather from, from the research that we've done, it sounds like Australia is going to be very much like the U.S., and very much the same kind of expense level as the U.S. New Zealand is probably going to look a lot like Ireland, which we've already been to, and in Scotland, and uh, even perhaps higher expense level than the U.S. So it's a lower priority, but we may, as long as we're over that way, we may may John down for a visit, but I we may not. It, it depends on when we get done with Southeast Asia, because keep in mind, Australia and New Zealand is in the Southern Hemisphere. And it's going to be fall and winter by the time our summer's coming around. We plan to spend the entire winter in Southeast Asia. By the time we get to New Zealand and Australia, it would be fall and maybe getting into the cooler weather. So that may determine it as well. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to in uh, Japan and uh, Southeast Asia? Yeah, the food. The food, yeah, <laughs> pretty much everywhere it's the food. From, <laughs> yeah, from what we hear, the food is phenomenal. Also, the 
just the culture and the, the scenery and the lifestyle. And it's going to be so different and so exotic than anything we've experienced so far. It's one of those things I really, really want to experience and just embrace the culture and the craziness that is there and also the, the loving people and the whole experience of being in those countries is going to be a real eye opener. We may love it. We may hate it. We may get frustrated uh, and we may embrace it. We don't know yet. Yeah, I think that we're definitely going to learn a lot being there. It's going to be the most different from what we're used to. We might even try to plug into things that they're known for, like maybe grab a yoga class or get a really good massage or find some really wonderful herbal teas or uh, get Zen <laughs> or get Zen or get, <laughs> find a new liqueur or something. I don't know. but <laughs> is, uh, is Vietnam on your uh, schedule by any chance? Yes. Yeah. yes. That's the first place we're hoping. We just applied for our visa and we're hoping that we can get in. Um, we're allowed 30 days in pretty much every country there. So we are, we're planning 30 days in Vietnam perhaps 30 days in Cambodia and Laos, and then working our way a little further east to Thailand and definitely spending the entire 30 days in Thailand, starting in the north, working our way down to the southern islands, and then working our way down to Malaysia and Bali and maybe Singapore. I think yeah, they're all right down there in that southern tail. Yeah. Yeah. The goal is to spend at least six months in that area, and we'll stay as long as they let us stay in each country, and mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes from there. I know back in the late 60s when I turned 18, I did everything I could to stay out of Vietnam, but I would love to go now. <laughs> I've heard nothing but wonderful things about that country and just, just how beautiful it is. And One of my best friends did a tour of duty in Vietnam in the Army, and he has a whole different perspective on it. Uh, and this was the late 60s. But he would go back in a heartbeat. You know, he would love to go back. And keep in mind, he hasn't been there since he did his tour of duty. But mm-hmm. it's one of those things that's on his uh, bucket list, you know, to get back into that area there. So well, I hope he can do it, because from what we're hearing, every single person we speak with has been there. They absolutely love it. And it's I was reading, too, is one of the, the number one destination for Southeast Asia right now. It's surpassed Thailand, which was always number one. Vietnam is now number one. And there is half the price, I guess, of Thailand, if you can believe that, as cheap as that is. And people are just loving it and having fantastic experiences. They're doing a great job with their infrastructure, making it easy for tourism. And it's going to be a fabulous experience. So I wanted to go back to the five countries that you did. Did you say you did 29 stops? We did 29 stops. (laughs) Wow, that is absolutely incredible. Um, I, I think that we should probably ask you the same question we asked last time, which was, of these 29 stops you did, do you have a favorite? Do you have a standout? In terms of a place to live, I think we're still targeting uh, Portugal. I think that's still our our top choice. Uh, Portugal is a very international country. It strikes us as a very international country. So that in some ways makes it easier to be there than in some other countries where they're really, this is one culture, this is one language, this is one uh, way of living. Whereas in Portugal, it seems a little more laid back and 
you can be who you want to be and it's not as in your face. We are fortunate that we were introduced to two, two gentlemen who live in Portugal. They're originally from California and they were so gracious. They picked us up at the airport outside of Lisbon and they drove us around to three or four different towns that are along the coast there north of Lisbon. It's a short train ride away and they showed us these towns which were just delightful and then they gave us an idea of the cost of living. They have a four bedroom furnished house that they're renting with a yard and a garage and a, a nice driveway for $2,000 a month. And they took us to a high rise, a modern high rise building where their friends live. And it's a two bedroom, two bath with a pool, you know, the type of thing that you get 10 minutes away from the beach. And they're spending about $1,400 a month. That looks very attractive to us mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to live in a country like Portugal that is so advanced and civilized and sophisticated, and especially being that close to a major city like Lisbon. Yeah, that area that she was talking about is just, it's right on a train line that is just, what, maybe 30 minutes from Lisbon? Right, yeah, Yeah. very close. So we'd be near a major city and having all the benefits of living in a nice suburban area. And I remember the two of you uh, mentioning that uh, Portugal was one of the, places that you figured you might end up staying in eventually when you're when this whole experience this adventure of yours uh comes to a close that it seemed like portugal was on your definite favorites list is it so and it sounds like it still is it is it is still yeah when we think of all the places we've been that's the place that we're most inclined to, to go and settle down, I think. Yeah, I just feel very comfortable there. And I, when we went to revisit it, we, we went to five different areas of Portugal while we were there. And they're all delightful. And we think we have it narrowed down to uh, north of Lisbon there outside uh, the train ride, right on the train line. And that seems to be the area we're leaning towards. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, something else that stood out, though, to answer your question further, Gabby, was the Uh, What stood out was Croatia. We actually went on a little small yacht cruise that fell into our lap, and we visited six islands along the Dalmatian coast of Croatia, and it was absolutely breathtakingly beautiful, fantastic experience, Going starting in Split and then ending in that great city of Dubrovnik. I would highly recommend that trip for anyone. It's fantastic. We got to see a little Game of Thrones museum in Dubrovnik. <laughs> that was one of the places that they shot a lot, as well as in Ireland and different places. But uh, we had never been on any kind of a cruise before. And we, we shy away from ocean liners. We don't really care for the idea of that experience. But this was very different. This outfit got together. Uh, they had booked three yachts that hold about 40 people each. So it was a little more intimate. It was a little more, you got to know everybody on the boat. And some people on the other boats, even (laughs) when we dock for the night, sometimes we visit each other. And it was just very low key. And it turned out to be actually a pretty good deal because we we got our transportation, our lodging and most of our meals provided on this. uh, And and we went to all all the key islands in Croatia. Yeah, I would I would highly recommend it. It's, It's just beautiful there. My partner is actually from him and his family are from Serbia. So he often talks about how. Uh, you know, beautiful Croatia. So, um, you know, we hope to get there to make a trip sometime in the next couple of years. And it is very exciting to hear other people independently say like, it's such a beautiful location. Yeah. Absolutely. And Serbia too is supposed to be nice. You probably enjoy that as well. So I see here, there was a, a couple of things that you guys had mentioned in, in terms of uh, some of your favorites 
as you've been traveling around the world over these last 14 months or so. And one of them that stood out for me was you talk about, you know, who has the best food? Where did you have the best wine, best art and museums? Well, one of them was the best dining experience, and it was Aruba. Now, see, I've, I've been to Aruba. It's been a while. But what I remember from my experience in Aruba, and really, I would have to say, in the entire like, Caribbean area, was the service was kind of lackadaisical for me. That was my experience. Uh, not as much attention to detail. I don't quite remember what the food was like on Aruba, but I do remember the service being kind of, We'll get there, man. When we get there, don't worry. Uh, you know, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I the, think you're right. And in 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 general, uh, this was not the uh, the usual dining experience. This was a special dining experience that this restaurant arranged for. Uh, it was actually a private party kind of a thing that you could buy into, where you pay a a fixed price and you got many courses of of this highly gourmet food prepared by the these uh, uh, Peruvian chefs and it was it was it was a special by invitation kind yeah, of thing yeah what I said there wasn't like the best food I ever had it was the best dining experience and the experience was there's a concept of dining that's been out a couple of years called kitchen table have you heard of that where it's a dinner party for 20 people and you all sit at the same table and they have a private chef there who's preparing the food and you get served a number of courses. So with this one, we started with a cocktail party on the patio and got to know all of the other diners. We go upstairs and then the chef is there preparing the meal and explaining what each course was. And each course you wanted to take a picture of it. It was a work of art. It was just beautiful and delicious. After the fourth course, we went back down to the pool area and had some champagne and a palate cleanser. And then we went back up and had the other four courses. During the course of this conversation with other diners, we found that one of the guys there was an opera singer. So I said, how fun would it be if we all did something special for the staff? So we got together. I made a little speech. Chris made a little speech and gave a toast because it was Cro- it was Peruvian Independence, Independence Day. Day yeah. So he made note of that. And then we had the other guy stand up and sing opera. So <laughs> as a way to say thank you to the staff, the whole thing was fantastic. And it was, again, the food was delicious. It was just one of the best experiences we ever had. But as far as generally speaking, you know, where, where did we get the best food? Um, hmm. I, I say Portugal. I really, I say, their yeah. seafood is outstanding. Yeah, and their their meals are really good. I would have to say Portugal for the yeah. food too. Yeah, we felt like um, uh, Italy had maybe lost a little bit of its quality for us from from what we remembered, uh, but uh, Portugal held up. It's uh, it was really good. Well, it sounds to me, Gabby, like these two are going to be uh, uh, Portuguese. Uh, just, just a little bit yeah yeah how's the language i mean you guys must be almost like multilingual by now at least you've, you've got to be picking up stuff along the way right enough to get around we do pick up a few things here and there to get around it's uh you know based on our previous vacations i used to crash a little i'd spend several weeks crashing on uh, language before we went to Italy or France or wherever so that I'd know a little something. Sometimes I even took a a class. In this case, we're running around covering so much territory so quickly. I really just haven't had a chance to do that. So I really know less of a language of the country than I used to. But uh, it's also amazing how many people speak English 
And that was something that we noticed. Uh, as a matter of fact, when we were in Ireland, we got a particularly impressive example of that. We ended up at this uh, kind of community table at a, at a bar where a band was playing and where they, they seat you by reservation around sort of community tables. And there were these two young women from Germany sitting across from us. And their English was flawless, fluent, absolutely. They understood everything we said. No accent either. <laughs> Hardly any accent at all. I had to ask them where they were from. And it, uh, it, it just impresses me. And Portugal, one of the most English-speaking European countries that we've seen. That's another thing that makes Portugal an easier place to go. I'm just amazed at the Europeans and, and how much English is known. It is technically their second language, I guess, and the, and the language of business for the world. So I, I suppose it shouldn't be too surprising to me, but and some people are better at it than others, but in school, they actually, it's, it's programmed. It's, everybody has to take more than one language. They, they yeah. have to learn at least one other language. And oftentimes English is part of that. And I've become fluent in Google translates. <laughs> I'm very fluent in that. <laughs> and I highly recommend everyone getting fluent in Google translates because it's a pretty amazing application to, to have a skill with. So now it's on to uh, Japan and uh, Southeast Asia for the two of you. And uh, is Tokyo on the on the uh, schedule? That's first. Yeah, that's number one. Oh, We're going to okay. be there uh, four days. Yeah. You know, ever since what was the name of the movie uh, with uh, Bill Murray and uh, oh, what the heck was it? He was he was in Japan in Tokyo. Oh, Scarlett uh, Johansson was yes, in that. Yes, 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 yes. And they it, there was a gorgeous hotel that they stayed at that was filmed. The movie was filmed at a lot of it there in Tokyo. And ever since that movie, I wished I wanted to go and do that and have that experience with the karaoke and all of that. <laughs> I mean, uh, this was years ago, but, you know, the home um, of karaoke. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. And they take it so seriously. Not that we don't here in the U.S., but they take their karaoke very, very seriously. And I've heard nothing but good things about the Japanese people and how accommodating they are. It, yes, and we just learned a couple of things. First of all, when we get to Tokyo, because of this community that I'm in with Facebook and all connected with all these world travelers, there are two people that we know there that live in Tokyo that are Americans. And our very first night we're getting there, they're taking us to dinner and they're going to give us the lay of the land in Tokyo. And of course he said, and then we have to go to karaoke. <laughs> he's a music producer and a rapper. So I'm thinking he's going to get a, get the mic and entertain everybody. <laughs> so we're really excited about that. Something else we learned just from watching videos is uh, just a few cultural things that you need to know about Japan. For example, one thing that you do not do is eat on the train. Very rude to eat on the train. So no snacks, nothing. And another thing about the train they were saying is that people, when the doors open, people in Japan will stand to the side, either side of the door, and have a clear path for people to disembark. And then orderly file on to the train. You know, most trains you go to is totally the opposite. People, it's a like chaos. Right. But in Japan, it's very organized and very cordial and polite. And, and it's supposed to be quiet on the train, too. You, you know, you can right. talk quietly, but you no know, loud talking and, and obnoxious behavior. No like people that. talking on their cell phones. <laughs> and it's more of a quiet experience. It sounds like a very courteous country, actually. Yeah. yeah. 
really just like here in the states yeah yeah that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I, you know i i am just in awe of the two of you and what you're doing with with your lives and the experiences that you're having i'm not saying i could do what you're doing i'm not sure i could which brings me to my question is when you the two of you are back in the states now you're in hawaii uh, but when you land in back in the us is there any special feeling that you have is it like, ah, we're home or ah, we're home? It's interesting you should ask that because we initially flew into Philly and uh, saw some people and took care of some business. And we also visited Wilmington, North Carolina and Memphis, Tennessee, where we had a little family reunion with PJ's folks. But when we landed in Philly, we spent a little bit of time in the area where we had lived and we actually drove through our old neighborhood. That was a telling moment because we drove by our old house, we drove through the neighborhood. The best way I can sum it up for you is to say that it looked like home, but it didn't feel like home anymore. I have to agree with that. And it was, it was surprising to me. I didn't know what I, what I would feel. And I just felt a little bit of a disconnect for some reason. And I'm looking at things everywhere I go with a different perspective now. And then after seeing so many sites and being in so many places and coming back to Philadelphia and seeing it from that new perspective, and then, of course, in a post-COVID world, because we haven't been back since things started to open up again. And that was a little bit of a shocker to us. The prices, sticker shock, I was totally the sticker shock at the prices of everything, uh, especially restaurants. I, it was just insane. And I was also a little dismayed at uh, the amount of panhandlers, if you will, or people that are suffering from the opioid mm-hmm. crisis that's happening. We saw a lot of that in Center City, and I was really dismayed to see that. I feel like Philadelphia felt a little, I don't know, a little grittier than we had remembered it. And it probably is a little grittier than you remember it. Philly definitely has its problems right now that it's uh, trying to deal with. Before we end all this, you had mentioned that you had sticker shock back here in this country. And I know inflation is a global thing. Have you noticed it at all in your travels and outside of the country? I would have to say a lot of the countries have the old U.S. prices. Oh, really? (laughs) So it's still a better bargain. Now, the, the euro is the same value as the United States dollar right now. And it used to be the opposite, where it costs you a lot more to go to Europe because of the difference in the value. Now it's even. And we were finding some tremendous deals in Europe. And I look at the price value ratio when I do things like, is here's the price. Is it worth it as far as the value? Ireland was the most expensive. And I think that's always been the case. Mm-hmm. It's like the fourth most expensive country in Ireland, in, in Europe. And I felt the price value ratio wasn't quite there for me. And definitely it wasn't there in the United States. But we definitely felt the difference that based on the prices that we had become accustomed to in, in Europe, when we came here, it felt more expensive. Yeah, Europe felt a lot more reasonable than it ever has before. Happy and safe travels to the two of you as you embark on the next leg. And uh, do you have, is this all planned out for like months in the future? No, uh, we try to plan it out uh, a couple of weeks into the future, at least. <laughs> well, we, we do the best we can is walking that tightrope where you, we don't want to have to spend all of our time in the place researching the next place to go mm-hmm. to. We want to try to get as much done in advance as we can. And it's, it's 
it's a real challenge with Southeast Asia because like in Thailand, you have to enter the country and have an exit strategy. You have to show them that you have a ticket on the way out. And I just don't know where we, where we want to go from there yet. So I'm putting off Thailand for now. But uh, I think ideally we're getting ready to settle down and we will be looking at that very seriously when, when we're done with Southeast Asia. That's sort of like the last thing on the check to check off our list. And when we're done with that, then we're going to really start probably looking uh, back at Portugal, Portugal again and applying for temporary residency there. Yeah, the, so the, the trip through Europe was a fast travel, so we, we couldn't plan too far in advance. We had to just kind of try trying to keep up. Uh, in Asia, we're hoping that we'll be able to slow down a little bit and spend a month in one place. So that, that makes it a little bit easier, Yeah, a little more leisurely. Uh, but yeah, I think that uh, after we're done with Southeast Asia, we're going to know for sure whether or not we want to live in Southeast Asia anywhere. So that, that was the last place we just kind of wanted to, as you said, check off and make sure that it wasn't going to be there. We don't think it is just because the culture is so different, but you never know. So we're checking that out. And if, if that proves to be not a place that we want to live, then it's probably going to be Portugal. We're keeping an open mind. And one thing I'd like to say to you, to your listeners that they might want to be aware of, and maybe you, if you guys ever come to Hawaii, uh, don't ever, and we learned this yesterday, do not ever ask Hawaiians if it's true that they ate Captain Cook. Captain Cook right, yes. Yeah, they get very sensitive about that. <laughs> we are not cannibals. We did not eat him. <laughs> yeah, apparently there's this thing where Captain Cook came from Australia and he discover the Hawaiian islands. And then some reason the Australians believe that Captain Cook was eaten by the Hawaiians, but <laughs> that's a sensitive topic. Don't bring it up. That would be my suggestion. With all that spam there, when would there be time to eat uh, Captain Cook? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. I'm also kind of surprised that no one from the travel channel has approached the two of you yet about doing something about this, because it just seems like this is right up their alley, you know, with the two of you, you know, seeing the world and doing it the way you're doing it. It's just such an interesting story. And you know anybody at the travel <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Gabby, Gabby's the one that's hooked into the New York media there. Maybe she knows someone. But... I, I don't, or I would have passed them on the lead. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll look into it. <laughs> well, we definitely have competition because there are a lot of people out there doing what we're doing or something similar. So. Yeah. Well, I'll send them a copy of this podcast when it's done. <laughs> well, our untethered travelers, uh, Chris and PJ Klein, thank you so much for updating us. And I hope that as time goes on and as you have more experiences, we can uh, sort of sit down with you at least another time and uh, get the latest from you, because I know a lot of people are following what you're doing. We follow you on Facebook. Where else can people follow your adventures? That's it for now. We we haven't taken it any further than that. It's it's very very time consuming to do a YouTube channel, and we've looked into it. And uh, I would just be running around with a GoPro all the time rather than enjoying where we are and what we're doing. So for now, it's Facebook. It seems to be working, and I do it sort of like a journal for myself as well, so I can look back and see where we were, and I just do a recap after every place we go and just recap it with the chapter number and say, here we are. And this is what happened and try to get some valuable information and a little tip, sort of like the Captain Cook thing. I just told you about Hawaii. <laughs> the photographs that you were posting on Facebook are just absolutely gorgeous. Are you using a, like an iPhone to take those pictures? Uh, yeah. That's it, all. Yeah. Just 
beautiful, just breathtaking. And thank you so much. You guys seem to have an eye for what uh, for photography, you know, at least the, if you didn't before, you certainly do now. That's for sure. Well, thank you very much. That's good feedback. I appreciate that. Just gorgeous. All right, you two go safely, continue on and uh, good luck. Moshe donkey, as they say in Aruba. Uh, and go Phillies. Yes. Go Phillies. And go Eagles, from what I understand. Yes. Yes. Eagles wow. are 6 and 0. Oh. Yeah. It's hard right. to do. I know. Love you guys. Bye bye. Bye bye. I think talking to PJ and Chris is one of my favorite conversations to have because I just love living vicariously through them and all of their cool travels. But at the same time, I'm like, Wow, I wish I was traveling somewhere right now. You know, you do travel a lot. You travel a lot more than I do. So uh, it's just a matter of time before you're back out there somewhere in some exotic locale. And for me, that's uh, that would be the Wawa uh, <laughs> down the street in Belmar. So I think really when we talk to them, what they do is remind me of a lot of the delicious food that I've eaten and normally then inspire my choices for the next several days of what I'm going to be eating for dinner. So yes. I really appreciate that when I, when we talk with them. Oh, well, the, you know, they're, they're off again. They're just, you know, <laughs> I don't know how much longer this is going to go for the two of them. I guess it can go as long as they want. Uh, they don't seem to be tiring of it. You know, if it was me, I'm more of a homebody. I would be, you know, like after a week, 10 days, I'm going, okay, my, uh, you know, my couch, I'm sure misses me. <laughs> Not to mention my three cats and a dog. So, you know, I'm certainly tethered. <laughs> That was a lot of fun. And as we said before, we probably will have an opportunity to talk with them again uh, after they've collected a whole new bunch of adventures and delicious things to eat <laughs> around the globe. So the, the Phillies, much uh, to my surprise, are now on to the World Series, which begins this Friday in Houston. It, uh, the competition is going to be a little bit tougher, I think. Because as we all know, the Astros are a really good baseball team and they cheat. So, you know, that's the problem. We've got to get past the good ball players and the cheating aspect of the Houston Astros. No, no, they got caught. So I'm sure they don't cheat anymore. Right. I was just about to ask you if you think since Dusty Baker has joined, if they're still cheating, because the vibe I sort of got with him coming in was that that was supposed to be the end of that. I would think, I don't think Dusty Baker would put up with that. He seems like a good baseball man, you know, an honest man. He kind of freaks me out though <laughs> uh, with that toothpick that makes me, makes me very nervous. <laughs> I remember there was a, I, who, who did he play for? There was a, a baseball player. I think he was a shortstop and he, played the game with a toothpick in his mouth the whole time back around 1980 i think the phillies played against them he might have been on the kansas city royals back then i'm not sure yeah i think you know it's pretty amazing to me when they play with distractions is like the best way that i can describe it because like i don't like to walk down a down escalator too quickly because i don't trust myself to get to the bottom without hurting myself let alone playing a full-on sport with a toothpick in my mouth. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's my point. What if you sneeze? I mean, you know, I just, all yeah. kinds of terrible things could happen. Uh, just makes me crazy. But anyway, I digress. And it, the Phillies, you know, they just, they just came through each and every time that they needed to. And it's just amazing to me 
because during the regular season, they would have long stretches of not coming through, but that didn't happen here in the playoffs. Gab, you were right. I didn't always have them moving on to the next round, but like I have said many times, and I'm sure people are tired of hearing me say it and good for you guys. Cause this is the last time I will get to say it, but at this point, you know, I'm along for the ride. They've exceeded everything that I thought that they were going to do. The winning it all would just be the cherry on top at this point. So it's hard to be upset with them if they don't win it all. I, like I I'm still happy. Of course I want to see them win it all, but like at the same time, I saw some videos last night of the Padres fans waiting outside of the stadium, waiting for their planes to land so that they could cheer for them for the type of season that they had. And honestly, that's exactly how I feel. Like, I mean, I, I probably won't be standing outside of Citizens Bank Park to to cheer them where they to lose in Houston ultimately. But, you know, this is like, this is so fun. This has been way more fun than it was four months ago. I, I'm just, I'm very happy and I'm not, I can't be upset with them no matter what the outcome is. I totally agree. Even if, if they didn't play another baseball game this year, they were, they're still a success. And no matter what happens with the world series, here I go, the lowered expectations. Can you hear it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying the quiet parts out loud. (laughs) Even if they don't win the world series and become world champs, they still had a wonderful season and boy, were they entertaining as all get out and it can only get better even next year. I mean, I could see a point where they could be in the playoffs as they were back when for years to come. So this might not be one and done. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I hope that this is just a great base to build off of and continue the, Oh my God, like the last six weeks have been just an absolute roller coaster of, so now we have to wait till Friday. <laughs> we have to wait till Friday. It's a long time for uh, for a baseball game when you're used to seeing the play every day. But uh, I think we can get there, give them a little chance to uh, get all the bruises and the bumps and stuff, all, <laughs> you know, ironed out so that we can get to the game. Now, who's going to be our starting pitcher? They don't know yet. Um, they don't know. Because, because it could be Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler because they are co-aces and the rest would make sense if they started Aaron Nola first, but Hey, it's the world series. So Zach Wheeler could very much be the first pitcher, you know, and yeah, you and, have the opportunity. Right. And he would have had five days of rest, which he was used to during the, during the regular season. So uh, I guess it could be him, but if they want to switch it up and put Nola on, uh, on the mound first for game one and then put Wheeler on the mound for game two, that would be fine too. And, you know, I'm also encouraged uh, by Ranger Suarez uh, in the playoffs here. He's done a pretty good job. For those of you who maybe didn't watch the games this past weekend, Ranger Suarez pitched on Friday night and he had a really solid showing and the bullpen who came in to finish out the game for him were fantastic. Um, I've had a lot of negative things to say about our bullpen this year, but they completely deserve the props. And then on Saturday, uh, in game four, it was supposed to be Bailey Falter starting who didn't make it out of the first inning. And then the bullpen subsequently had to piece the rest of the game together. I know for me, I'm just, I think at this point, I don't think Bailey Falter is a viable starter, but I don't necessarily want to see a bullpen game either. So I don't know if maybe putting in Noah Syndergaard and hoping for four strong innings, like kind of the way we do with Ranger Suarez and then using the bullpen to piece together the rest of the game is the way. One of the things I've been thinking about is uh, the uh, Phillies backup catcher, Garrett Stubbs. (laughs) 
Has he been in at all in the postseason? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he pinch hit for someone. Did he? Okay. Pretty sure. Because he's such such an enthusiastic presence in that clubhouse and in the dugout. You know, he's always the first guy out of the dugout to, to congratulate the whoever just did something really well. And he just seems like such a great kid. I, you know, it'd be nice to say, not that I want to take our catcher out so that he can play a game, but, you know, maybe if we get up like by 10 runs in one of these <laughs> three games, put Garrett Stubbs in there, you know, what the heck, even if it's the second inning. If we are up 10 runs on the Astros at any point in time, I will go out and buy a scratch off. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a bad idea. (laughs) Because at that point, we're just riding a very, very lucky wave, I think. It could happen. happen. Stranger things have happened. You're absolutely right. Just the last thing that I want to say about the fact that we're going to a freaking World Series, man. Isn't that exciting? The game yesterday where they clinched and they were down in the eighth inning and Bryce Harper coming up to bat, he stepped up there. And in my, in my gut, I knew something was about to happen and I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know if he was going to like hit a double and score in one run. So we got a tie. Like I, I had no idea, but he just stepped up there and he hit this monster of a home run, which was awesome. Awesome to watch in that moment. And I feel so lucky that I get to be a fan of this team when Bryce Harper is a Philly there's a lot of great athletes out there and it's even better when they play for your team. Mm-hmm. And I think Bryce Harper is like a very shining example of that. And I'm so happy for him. And I, I want this, I want this world series win for my own like happiness, but I also want it for Bryce Harper. Cause I really can't think of an athlete who deserves it more right now. I totally agree. He says all the right things, does all the right things. He's just a very smart guy too. I mean, you know, he, was able to uh, see what the city of Philadelphia is and what would be most appreciated. And he has come out and done all of that. Not every athlete that comes into town has done that or will do that. So I give him major props, not just for being an excellent ball player, but for being a fine citizen as well. So everything you said is absolutely true. You know, also I'd like him to get healthy I don't know whether he's going to have surgery in the off season so that they can put him back out in right field. You know, we can make one of the two corner outfielders who really can't play outfield very well. We can take them out of the playing field and just make one of them or both of them designated hitters. Yeah. I did see a tweet that I thought was interesting about the fact that things were really broke for the Phillies at the right time. And they weren't even really talking about the playoffs. They were talking about the regular season because really Bryce Harper's season should have been over in May. And if the designated hitter had not been put upon to the national league by major league baseball, and this was the first year that was happening, Bryce Harper would have been done in May. We, he still would not be healthy now. So, you know, they'd be trying to make this run without him. And I just don't think that that's a thing that we could have done. So the fact that they moved him right into the designated hitter slot, and he's just been absolutely crushing it in the, any role that they've asked him to step into with his limited capacity, I think makes what he's doing all that more incredible. Yeah. Maybe we don't want him to go back in the field. <laughs> maybe this uh, designated hitter thing where you just sit on the bench when you're not up to bat is, uh, is working out really, obviously it's working out well for him Friday. Let's get here because obviously we can't wait and uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed. I'm going to be sitting in my lucky chair, watching the game. 
What do you do? You've got you've got to have some sort of uh, superstitious thing that you go through with these games, right? I have not been in the same location or in the same clothes for a single one of the Phillies postseason wins this year, which is very, very unlike me. I would usually would take the outfit that I wore in the first win and that would be it for the rest of the time. I mean, you know, washed of course, but that would be it for the rest of, course, of the time. Yeah. yeah. So I haven't, yeah, I haven't been in the same location. I was lucky enough to be in, in attendance for two of the three games this weekend. And, you know, I sat in completely different spots. I went with completely different people and it was just electric. So, you know, I, my plan is to be somewhere different for each one of the games coming up. That seems to be the right pattern for me to follow. The only pattern that has emerged is that both Wednesday afternoon games that they played in the playoffs that I had to rush home from my office to be there to see like third inning and later they lost. So as long as we don't do that again, I I feel like we've got it. (laughs) good <laughs> yeah maybe you could uh you know call in sick or something or you know switch your office days for a, an off day for them a travel day. Eight o'clock, so we don't have to worry about a wednesday afternoon game mm-hmm. we're good yeah good <laughs> oh by the way before we close this out i just wanted to say congratulations to, we kind of touched on it but we didn't say it congratulations to the san diego padres they mm-hmm. had a, a really fine season and they gave the phillies a really good series there to really get them tuned up for the world series. So thank you, Padres. I mean, obviously I wanted my team to win, but it was fun to watch the Padres because the Padres fans seem to have gone on a similar journey that we did. It's hard to feel a type of way towards other fans who just went through the same thing to arrive at the same place that you did. Although I imagine they're probably not very feeling the same way about us this morning (laughs) and that's okay. I'm, you know, that's okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, and plus the, you know, the umpires, you know, everybody always blames the umpires when things don't go their way. And there may be some, there may be some truth to that. Actually, the umpire, the umpiring, especially balls and strikes seem to have really sucked this year for the most part. And I don't know if that's going to be different next year. Are they still going to have an ump behind the plate? I keep hearing about this computerized uh, strike zone that they're going to utilize. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. I think you still need a human being there to make those calls. Uh, by the way, uh, we're not going to see you next week. We're off. We never do see you. We're not going <laughs> you're not going to hear from us next week, but we'll see you in two weeks or we'll have an, a fresh episode coming up a week, uh, two weeks from today. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's the Encore podcast. Go Phillies. Go Phillies. And if you have pictures of you celebrating or you at the game or you at, in, at a bar with a bunch of people, please Tweet them at us, send them to us on Instagram, share them with us on Facebook. We want to see it. You know, go Phillies. Let's, it's time. Let's lean all the way in and see what happens. Until then, see you later. Bye.